scripture here for today. Uh, our scripture reading for today is going to be in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 24. Uh, so if you want to open up your Bibles there, uh, if you don't have a, a Bible with you, we have some at the end of each pew. Uh, and if you don't own a Bible, uh, go ahead and take one home with you as a gift uh, from us. So again, it's Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 24. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Thank you, Chad. Uh, It is pretty fun to worship as one service, isn't it? Uh, We can clap it up just to all be together. Uh, What a joy. And we're going to keep that going. So through the end of the year, uh, we're going to do one service. And here's what that means. We're going to have to kind of pack it in. Uh, The the dream here is that we're going to pack it in, worship uh, the Lord all together. It'll be a great joy to be together as one body. And then come sometime in the new year, uh, we're going to do a bit more of an effective job uh, going into two services in a planned way that that second service is really full and healthy right away. uh, And then go into two bodies that we can continue to grow and connect those who are unconnected uh, to bring the gospel to those who don't yet know Christ and to see our church continue to grow uh, in the gospel together. So uh, next week, uh, what time should you come next week? 9.50. Somebody was paying attention last week. Come at 9.50 next week. 9.50. And here's why I say that. Uh, the service will begin at 10. Uh, we want to make sure we're strategically kind of uh, uh, packed in in a way that, you know, we're already past 80% full. And that's kind of what the stats say. Hey, folks will stop coming at about 80% full. Uh, but we want to pack ourselves in, uh, particularly with all the kids. Uh, but even more so... Our liturgy is important. Uh, the way we move through uh, a time of confession uh, and coming before the Lord, as we're reminded, He calls us to worship Him by grace, but then we come and we say, oh man, I'm not worthy, so we spend some time in confession. But then we're reassured, gosh, our God has poured grace on us in Christ. We're all a bunch of sinners saved by what Christ has done, so we're reminded of that in assurance right after confession. And then we sing these songs praising God, and that's about when most of you show up after about the first song. Uh, So let's be here on time, 9.50 next week to celebrate uh, together, to worship our God, uh, to connect those who don't yet know Him, to connect with each other, uh, and then to go on 
uh, mission into the world as we're sent out. So, all right. Uh, we're in a new series. Uh, this is the Galatians series as we kick off uh, Galatians uh, in Mission Sunday, uh, uh, which is our second Mission Sunday. Uh, and, and in order to kind of uh, get us going here and think about, you know, because Paul, uh, Paul is a missionary church planter. That's what he does. He comes to Christ and then he goes from city to city and he brings good news and, and slowly people spring up and get to know Jesus. Then they start huddling together and then the, uh, new churches are raised up and, and they're planted all over. And then they, they send mission all over the world, right? And so uh, Paul's involved in this work of uh, missionary church planting uh, all throughout kind of modern day Turkey and Greece, and then finally in Rome at the end of his life. And, and so uh, we thought it'd be fitting to kick off Mission Sunday with Galatians, because this is uh, the first book that Paul writes, and it, it captures the core of the good news of the gospel, that we are free in Christ. Free to live the most uh, full and vibrant life, bound and in lordship to Christ and His ways, and that we would live uh, in our freedom, connected and under the lordship of Christ in a way that He might be known through us in everyone's life around us. So we just thought, man, this is a great way to kick off Mission Sunday uh, in Galatians. So uh, this past year, uh, we've seen... Uh, not only our community groups continue on mission uh, locally with our neighbors, but we've seen the nations uh, begin to really get reached uh, uh, by and with the well and by the grace of God. And, and one of the major graces uh, in that whole process has been Ronald Luna. Ronald Luna, can you come to the middle of the room here? Uh, let's clap it up. Look, if there were ever a time to stand and clap for somebody, you said, let's all just, you know, this is like the end of a middle school play when you stand up and all clap for, no, 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 Ronald, 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 come on up, come on up. Really, bro, amazing job by the grace of God uh, through you uh, to send five trips all over the world this year, Paraguay, uh, Kenya, Ukraine, Costa Rica, India, Bangladesh, like everywhere. Did I uh, miss one in there, right? Like five trips this past year. That's ridiculous. And then also to see uh, through you uh, new teams raised up to spearhead our three local initiatives among refugees, among vulnerable children, uh, among Title I schools. So uh, just an amazing work of God this past year. Uh, if you... If you went on uh, an international trip, uh, could you stand if, if you went on an international trip this year? All right, if you went on an international trip. If you served in any way, uh, yeah, we can clap. Stay standing, stay standing. If you have served in a local way this year among uh, refugees or vulnerable children or Title I schools, no, no, stay standing. Uh, if you've served in a local way, you've donated something, you've done a, a, um, a resettlement uh, work to, for a refugee family, if you've uh, helped with a fall festival, if you've helped in any way locally, would you stand up as well? Would you stand up uh, for local missions? All right. Awesome. If you have prayed, no, no, stay standing. I know, it's really awkward. Uh, stay standing. If, if you have given financially uh, to the work of missions this year, or you have prayed for a team, would you stand up? Would you stand up? Would you stand up? Now, if you have given to the church or you prayed for the work of God, would you stand up? If you are here in the body, uh, would you stand up? All right, let's clap. Let's clap. Um, 
I love the picture. You guys can have a seat. All right. Uh, I love the picture on our Missions Sunday card, which is kind of all hands in, right? This is that huddle picture right before a team uh, goes into the game and you huddle up. You go, go team, and you go into the work. Way to go, team. Bringing the good news of the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. Uh, we are compelled to bring good news uh, because what Christ has done in our lives and who our Savior is. That's what compels us. Uh, the love of Christ, who our Savior is, how, how worthy of worship our God is. Uh, the life that He brings by grace, the work He's done sending His Son to rescue us, the, the Spirit who empowers us uh, to know the Son and to live lives for the Son and to live on mission for the Son. Uh, the reason we go to our neighbors and to the nations is because of how great our God is and what He's done in our lives, how He's transformed us, our, our before and after stories that compel us into the work of the Gospel. Uh, that's right where Paul begins his letter to the Galatians. His before and after story. Uh, in the intro, and what we're going to do, we're going to look at Paul's before and after story and how it compelled him and how that same kind of movement of God's grace compels us into the work of sharing the gospel with our neighbors and the nations. Uh, let's go to the intro of the book of Galatians and we'll start there. Uh, Paul introduces himself in Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches in Galatia. Paul introduces himself, and what we'll find is, is Paul's living the life that, man, we, we want to live, a, a life that is transformed by the Savior. A life that then is lived in an ascent kind of way uh, with eternal purpose. Uh, and a life that, that is lived with the brothers and the sisters in the church, right? It's all kind of packed in those first two verses. He, he says, uh, I'm an apostle, Paul says. Now in a very special sort of way, uh, he is an apostle. One of the first 13, he calls himself one of the abnormally born. He's seen the resurrected Christ. Uh, he's been taught by the resurrected Christ. He's a sent one, an apostle, not like us in that way. We're not apostles. There aren't apostles today writing the scriptures like Paul is. But, but he's sent, and in, in the same way, that's just what the word apostle means. We want to live our lives sent, uh, transformed by the grace of God on mission. He says, I'm an apostle, and I'm writing to you along with the brothers and the sisters here. And he's writing to the church of Galatia, another church. Is it, uh, there's uh, this area of Galatia. It's uh, in modern-day Turkey and in modern-day Greece, kind of in that area where we've got all these Jewish converts and all these Gentile converts, and these, these new churches are springing up. He's saying, I, I, I'm living a sent life radically transformed by the gospel. I'm living it along with others, a family on mission. And I'm sending it to you, you new churches, you spring up out of the ground in all these new churches in the area of Galatia. He's living the life we want to live, full of eternal purpose and in community. And he offers now what we want to have, verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone do this with me. Do it with me again. One more time. 
grace and peace. A cease striving. A freedom in our identity. A knowledge of the love of the Father poured out on us in the Son. Grace and peace from God our Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's living the life, man, we long to live as sent ones, transformed by the grace of Jesus. He's in communities, a family on mission. He, he's offering what we want to have, grace and peace. And it's in the gospel we find these things. It's in the good news of Jesus we find these things. The, the gospel, which is, man, start coming to church. Uh, get plugged in. Uh, do the best you can. Try your hardest. Live with pure motives. The gospel, right? Uh, serve like crazy in the lives of kids. Get into a community group. Let's plant churches. Reach the nations. The gospel, right? This is when some of you should be acting out verses 6 to 10. Where verses 6 to 7, Paul says, I am astonished that you so quickly deserted Him, God, who called you to the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel, right? That's not what I just said is, hear me, hear me, what I just said is not the gospel. But we so often think it is. Start coming to church. Try your best. Give what you can. Uh, get plugged in. That's, that stuff is not the gospel. <laughs> that won't radically transform our lives. That won't give us grace and peace. That's no hope at all. And you can dress it up in religious language if you want, which is like, you know, come to church, be in the pews, uh, uh, take confession, uh, go this way uh, uh, or that way. What would Jesus do, right? You could say it that way. You, we can dress it up in churchy language. Of, of, but, it's, but it's basically this sometimes what, what uh, certainly folks outside of the church think, but often we here in the church think, which, which is just do better, try harder, and, and then God will forgive you in the end. That's what we often think. And that is a false gospel. That gospel offers no hope. It's no gospel at all, he'll say in verses 6 to 11. It's just what the churches in Galatia are doing, which is adding to our own effort in addition to the grace of Christ. No gospel at all. But he says the gospel right in the very beginning of his intro. And this is the good news that will transform us into the lives that we long to live. And this is the good news that will give us what we long to have. Uh, This is the good news that what we have a Savior who has done everything we could not do. A Savior who is what? The Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for our sins. Here's the situation. You can't do enough, you can't give enough, you can't get plugged into church enough, you can't be a good enough mom, you can't be a good enough single, you can't be a good enough employee, you can't be a good enough XYZ moral or uh, anything. You can't be, I can't be, we are dead in our sins. 
When we stand before the holy God, we are condemned. We have rebelled. We've run away. And it's terrible news at first that we need to be rescued from our sins. But then it is amazing news, which is what? We have a rescuer. His name is Jesus Christ. The gospel is good news to be proclaimed, not advice to be followed. Good news. Good news. You have a Savior. I have a Savior. He has given Himself for our sins. He has paid our penalty. Every other system, it's just work harder, try better. It's this. It's a scale. If I could just, you know, be a bit more moral or add a few more kind of good deeds to the stack, man, then uh, I would, I'd outweigh my bad with my good. And then, man, maybe even if I don't, man, I know I'm doing better than he or she is, you know, so I'm probably okay. And even if I don't, when I get to the end in heaven, God will forgive me. Pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. And, and the Lord says you can never do enough. And guess what? You'll never feel like you've done enough. You'll never cease striving. There will never be grace and peace if this is your or my system. Or this, right? Because we all recognize there's a problem, right? We're all broken. We're all sinful. We, we see the brokenness uh, in, our, in our homes, in our schools, in our politics, in our world, right? And so we say, man, maybe we'll just try harder and, and put more on the stack and do better, be better. Or maybe, man, let's just climb up the ladder a bit more. I can do a bit better than I'm doing right now. We've got to get our way to God. Or remember uh, this one, right? Maybe you have the bracelet on even now or back a couple, uh, ten some years ago. What would Jesus do? And we put Christianese language on it of saying, man, what should I do in my life that God would be pleasing to me? And that was, uh, uh, look, this is a great question to ask. What would Jesus do in, if, if I were following him in my context now? How, how would he live and live? But, but first we must ask, what has Jesus done? What has Jesus done? He has given Himself to rescue us from our sins. We needed rescuing, and He did it. <laughs> we needed rescuing, and He did it. He did what we could not do. He gave what we couldn't give. He was who we are not. <laughs> he is the great substitute. When He lives a perfect life, he, uh, uh, climbs onto the cross in our place and sacrifices Himself, and then resurrects and gives us newness of life. He is the great substitute. For you and for me when by faith we receive Him. And Paul says, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And if we add to it, if we say, uh, for them they're saying you have to get circumcised or you have to eat a certain way in order to be pleasing to God and pleasing to others. Uh, Paul says, that's no gospel at all. We need to keep our gospel pure. That is what will, will, will transform your life. That is what will bring good news to others. That's what brings grace and peace. Jesus Christ Himself, who's worthy of our worship and everything we have. So let's keep it pure. Let's keep the good news pure. Paul begins then uh, with his own story of before and after and how Jesus has radically transformed his life because the gospel must come to us before the good news moves through us. Uh, Paul begins with this story of his uh, transformation because the good news of who Jesus is must come to us before it moves through us uh, to transform those around us. 
So let's look a bit at Paul's before and after, and we're going to consider our own for a moment as well. Uh, Paul's before and after begins in verse 11 and following. He's going to talk about how his life has been radically transformed, and here's what he says in verses 11 and following. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me, Paul, is not man's gospel. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my own people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. So here's what Paul is saying. He he starts with verses 11 and 12 and he says, man, let me tell you all about what God has done to rescue me. Nothing I did. (laughs) Let me tell you the story of who God is and what He has done. I, Paul, let me talk first about, Paul says, who I was. He says, some of you knew me. Some of you heard stories of me, verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. And listen to how he categorizes his life. For how I persecuted the church of God violently. I tried to destroy it. That's what he says first. He says, man, I was a rebel, right? I was living uh, to persecute and and crush and kill people who said they were following this new Savior, Jesus. And I was out there as a rebel crushing and killing, uh, literally taking people to prison as he describes his life and and, and, and murdering fathers and, and leaving people orphaned. He was out there doing it. He says, I was out there killing and destroying, rebelling. But he also then says this, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. Among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. I love it. He's so honest. I've caught myself in this place before. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. Don't you do that sometimes? You're like, oh, who's 44? Oh, man, nah, 44. Uh, You know, I remember doing it in my 20s and 30s. Who's 23? Who's 24? How are they doing? And comparing yourself with them. Remember? They're advancing like this. If I advance as much as them. Paul says, I was advancing way beyond the people of my age. I was crushing it. I remember when I, uh, I think it was Mahomes or something. He's like 23 or something when he went in the NFL. And I'm like, what have I done with my life? (laughs) Paul says, I was beating everybody. I was beating everyone. In his moralism, right? He wasn't just rebelling against God, but, but he was rebelling also in a moralistic way. He, he, he was trying to stack up his good deeds in Judaism. He's trying to say, I'm going to be pure enough. I'm going to keep the law enough. I'm going to do what is good enough that I put enough on the scale. I'll climb enough high on the ladder. I will do what is right and good that God would find me pleasing and others would find me pleasing. And when he's talking about his new life a little bit, back in verse 10, he says this really neat phrase, if I were still, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I think that's a good summary for Paul's life. Uh, if I were still trying to please men, that's what he was living for before, in both rebellion and in moralism. He's rebelling to crush this church that his friends and colleagues hated. Uh, he's living in moralism to live up to the standards uh, that he thinks they want him to attain. He's pleasing men. He's living for this reason. And it's crushing him. Maybe you can relate. This is uh, Paul's life before Jesus intercepts him. But what did God do? Verses 15 and 16. Look at what God does. But 
but by the grace of God. But when he who had set me apart before I was born had nothing to do with who I was or what I had done, who called me by his grace, who drew me to himself, who chased me down through that relationship or opened my eyes in this way, who was pleased to reveal his son to me, Do you see? Uh, He talks about all that God did to chase him down. To come and get him, not just in some sort of general sort of way, but in the very specific way of his life. Uh, The one who knew me before the creation of the world and chose me. uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says it this way. Praise be to the God and Father who's chosen us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before we were even born, before there was a thought in our mind, before we could, what, do anything good to prove ourselves. Before we could make a great right choice. Before we could earn our way to the Father. Uh, Actually, we were born and we lived lives of rebellion, either in moralism or rebellion. And, and, And Paul says, and Jesus chased me down. He revealed His Son to me. You know Paul's story? It's a great one. You can find it in Acts chapter 9. And then he'll tell his story. He'll retell it in Acts chapter 22 and in Acts chapter 26. And it's a great story. He, he's actually on his way to Damascus with this letter uh, where he's got permission to destroy church people. He's coming for you. He's coming for me. And in that moment... Uh, uh, verse 3 of chapter 9 now as he went on his way he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone down on Paul and falling to the ground his name was Saul he heard a voice saying to him Saul, Saul why are you persecuting me? and he said who are you Lord? and he said I am Jesus whom you are persecuting but rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do uh, Paul goes blind then he goes into the city and then this uh, fellow follower of Jesus uh, is told Ananias to go and talk to Saul and, and, and when, when Ananias hears that news he's like I am not going anywhere near that guy because he's killing Christians but then Ananias goes and, and when he talks and shares the good news of the gospel with Saul Saul becomes Paul, scales fall from his eyes, and he realizes, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm forgiven for my slains. I'm forgiven for my moralism. I am His. And immediately, verse 20 of chapter 9 in Acts, and immediately Paul proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, He's the Son of God. And all who heard Him were amazed. He's a new creation. The old had gone. The new has come. A major moment of change and transformation, a shifting of direction in his life. Who he was, what God did, and then who he is now. Verses uh, 15 uh, back in Galatians, and then uh, further on in verses 22 and 23, capture who he is now. Verse 15, you know, says it this way. He says, you know, he called me by his grace. He was pleased to reveal his son to me. In order, what? That I might preach him among the Gentiles. This is who he was. He was persecuting the church. He was uh, living uh, to please others. He was striving after these things. Then God intervenes and rescues him as he sees the resurrected Christ and the scales fall off and he's a new creation. And then he says, now I'm going to go and preach to the Gentiles. 
And he goes and he, you know, he says, uh, he gives all these things. Uh, he's, he's validating his apostleship in this moment, his authority uh, to, to speak to all the churches in Galatia. So he, he's saying, man, I didn't even first go to the disciples. I'd, I'd seen this revelation directly from Jesus. He'd come and rescued me. He actually went to Arabia for three years. And then, then he says, then he did go and he, he did uh, receive the right hand of fellowship. And then in verse 23, he summarizes his before and after life like this. People were hearing about me, and here's what they were saying. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. He was before all about this, and now he is after all about that. And what did they do? They stepped back, verse 24, and they glorified God because of me. They glorified God because of me. They looked right at God and said, you did something amazing. You poured grace on this man. You transformed him. It, he didn't earn nothing. He didn't do nothing. Look at who he was. Look at who he is. You, God, you pull the curtain back, glorify yourself. You show your grace, your might, your power to transform. Even one is this. And they glorified God because of him. I want us to do some before and after thinking in our lives. And we've got these uh, cardboard pieces at the ends of your pews. So let's, let's hand these down. Uh, there's, there's enough, uh, hopefully, for everyone. Now, we're not going to do that cheesy thing you did in youth camp. If you were part, a lot of you actually never were part of a youth camp or a church. You found the body. We're so glad you're here. And religion's kind of a new thing for you, right? But, uh, but, but if you were a part of youth camp, we're not going to do the cheesy youth camp thing where you, you stand up and you do the before and after and we all clap for you. We're, just, we're not going to do it. But here's what I want us to feel and taste and touch. I want you first to think about your own life before Christ. And if it's helpful, if you came to Christ young, uh, you can think about some of those major change moments in your life or even think about today. And I want you to think, when, when you are finding life uh, somewhere else, when you are trying to live uh, for someone else or do something else to find life, uh, what categorized your life, your life before Christ? Uh, let me help you brainstorm as you're thinking. We've got uh, Sharpies that uh, maybe you know you're straight up, but uh, let me help you think this through a little bit. Guilt. Where did you sense guilt in your life that you were trying to make up for? And you thought, man, if I could just do this or that, I would take care of this or that sin or that massive thing or that pattern in my life. I feel guilt over that. Or what about loneliness? Uh, you, you didn't experience the embrace of your God or the embrace of others. Uh, a God who knows every piece of you and still embraces you. Uh, maybe it was loneliness that captured your life before Christ. Maybe it's striving. It's trying to be good enough, to do enough, or attain enough, or get enough. And if you would just have this or that, you'd have the security you're longing for. If you had, or if you just attained this or that level, or got this or that thing, then, then you would validate yourself. It's not security you're after, but validation. Like, where, where were you seeking life before Christ? Uh, maybe it's an, an anxiety that, that marked your life. You didn't realize who held your life and... and how much he loved you and how sovereign and good he was. Uh, 
What was marking your life before Christ? That remember for Paul, it's uh, people-pleasing, right? A never-ending cycle of people-pleasing and rebellion and moralism. Go ahead and write that out. What, what defined your life then or even now as you sometimes live uh, for yourself rather than in the grace of Christ? We've got a few Sharpies at the end of each, so go ahead and pass those around and get those. Write, write it real big. Like I said, I'm not going to force you to share these uh, publicly with each other right now. Or today. You, you're, you're fine. This is your before, right? Who you were when you were orphaned without Christ or who you were when you were striving for righteousness or goodness on your own or who you were before you realized the sovereignty and the grace of Christ in your life. Who you were before Jesus opened your eyes to who He is and how good He is. And now let's do some of the after. Let's taste this a little bit more in our life. Uh, uh, when you came to know Christ, when He opened your eyes, when, when, uh, when He who chose you ran towards you and, and, and poured grace on you, and, and uh, the fancy word is regenerated you, brought you to life, uh, what became true of you? Um, and try and write it in that same area of uh, loss or lifelessness or anxiety or striving. Uh, what became true of you as a son or daughter of Jesus? Go ahead and flip the card over and write your after right now. How did Jesus show himself to be such great news to you in your life? Spend some time writing that out. Uh, keep writing uh, both your before and your after the grace of Christ was poured on you as you were drawn to Him. And I'm going to just share mine. Uh, before, striving for validation and embrace th through performance and perfection. Uh, I was striving for validation, I was striving for embrace relationally. Uh, through uh, how I could perform, what I could do, and, and what I could attain or prove uh, through my life. Uh, now, I, I found that in my uh, life with my relationship with my dad, a uh, relationship at school. If I could get the right grades, then I was good enough. If I could uh, prove myself uh, to my dad, then, then I'd be worthy of his embrace. Uh, I found myself striving uh, to get what God was wanting to freely give me, and it was never-ending. 
Uh, when I still sink back into my old self today and, and live as though I'm not a son uh, of God by the grace of Jesus, this is uh, still where I struggle. And i got to do more, grow more, get this or do that, prove that in order to be worthy of embrace. Or in order to validate myself as a person. Striving for validation and embrace through the performance and perfection in my own life. And then here's the after. Resting in Jesus' righteousness, His goodness, right? Who He is as a perfect one. Resting in His approval and embrace. Resting in Jesus' righteousness, approval, and embrace. Uh, knowing that I, I did not live up to, I do not live up to, actually uh, f- far more than I even ever imagined. I, I am uh, worse than I ever could have dreamed. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I was striving to uh, find uh, validation and approval, but God said, man, you'll never get it, right? And actually now you have it in Christ by who He is. He's absolutely perfect, His Son is. And therefore, when by faith I receive what Jesus has done, I am that perfect, received as the righteous one of Christ, a Son of God. Uh, He is embraced as God's own Son. And so when uh, I receive by grace who Jesus is and what He's done, I am embraced too as a Son of God, loved and embraced not because of what I've done, but because of what He has done. And I say, that's life. That is life. And that is good news today. That's not just good news for back then whenever I prayed that prayer in 8th, ninth grade and on and into college. That's, that's good news today. That's good news for you today. You might feel like you are drowning today. And you're, all, you're a follower of Jesus. Here's the good news. You can't handle it. Whatever you, you're realizing, I can't handle I can't handle the kids. I can't handle my school. I can't handle the grades. I can't handle that paycheck. You, here's the good news. It's first terrible news. You can't handle it. But you have the one who can. The one who's made you a son or daughter who carries you and your kids. Who carries you in your job. Who carries you when the paycheck doesn't come. You have the one who has carried you and will carry you. He can handle it. You are His by grace. That's good news. Not by what you've done or what you could do or how much harder you can work and strive. Ah, rest and breathe. The grace and peace of Christ is on you. Why? Because of who His Son is and what He's done and who you are because of it. When that good news has hit you and is hitting you today, it'll create a new purpose of your life. It's what... What'll happen is what we're celebrating today. He'll compel you into mission. He'll free you for the eternal purposes He has created you for. He'll give you the grace that you can now give to others. (laughs) He'll be your Savior that you could proclaim Him Savior to your neighbor, your co-worker, your friend, and the nations. You are free now and compelled by who He is and what He's done. Your before and after becomes this story of the good news of the Savior that everyone can trust in. If they would just believe and receive who he is and what they've done, what he's done for themselves. Notice in Paul's life, Paul says it this way. His before and his after, and he says, you know, this is who I was and now this is who I am. And he says in verse 15, 
When he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, when he had done all these things, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order, purpose statement, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That I might preach him among the Gentiles. You notice it's even captured this before and after statement of who he is. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Freed for eternal purposes of getting the good news out of our Savior. Uh, in order of that, right? That's the purpose statement. And, and then uh, he says that I would preach. I, I'd make known the mysteries of my Savior, who He is and what He's done. I'd share with those around me, my neighbors, my coworkers, my friends. Uh, Paul says, and in a very particular way, as an apostle, he's called to this. But all of us are called to this. This is the same for all of us, which is to make known the mystery of the gospel to those who don't yet know Christ, who are dying without Him. To preach. To share. It's the beginning and the end of discipleship. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, Jesus says to his initial followers, Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He says it in Mark chapter 3. He says, Come be with me and I'll send you to proclaim. At the end then of Matthew, it's the beginning and end of discipleship. He says, all of authority has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. He says, go, uh, proclaim, and and lead people to become followers, to, to be identified with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit by the grace that's been poured out on them in Christ, and then to live in accordance with His ways. The beginning and the end of discipleship. It's... It's what our before and after stories lead to. This is one of my favorite passages in 1 Peter chapter 2. Just listen to these words. Our before and after story, the grace of God to us to then become the grace of God through us. Verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. You were not a son, you were orphaned, now you are a son. You were striving, now you have peace in the grace of Christ. You were guilty, now you're blameless and forgiven that you can proclaim the excellencies of the Son who saved you. It's the same calling, purpose for all of us living our lives in response to the grace of our Savior. To proclaim the good news. Now here's where it gets different though. Paul says, among the Gentiles. (laughs) Now that's kind of funny about Paul's life. He says, I I was called to preach to share among the Gentiles. But then in his life, he goes out and he's sharing with everybody. (laughs) When he goes into a city, he starts with the Jews and synagogues. He's sharing. And then he's like, man, now I'm going to the Gentiles. Then anybody who will listen, he's sharing with. I mean, he's just nonstop sharing. But he says, particularly, I, I feel this calling to the Gentiles is... God has called me into this people group who doesn't yet know Him. So what is that place? Who are those people for you? What does that look like in your life? That, uh, that He has saved you. He, you're before and after by the grace of your Savior. But, but then, uh, might you write this, so that, at the bottom of your after side, right? 
So that, so, so for Paul, he says, man, in order that I might preach, the same for all of us, share the good news of the gospel, uh, among whom, among whom, with who. And so r- go ahead and write the so that at the bottom, that you might share the good news with uh, whom, right? Uh, uh, God is sovereign over your salvation. He's also sovereign over your placement in time and space right now. Your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your family members who are around you that don't yet know Christ. Who else is going to share with them? Who else is that close in their lives that they they might hear good news if it's it's not you? So go ahead and write those. And and I want us to get a taste of what this looks like with our neighbors and to the nation. So if you're going to share this morning, uh, would you just come on up? Uh, That's, I'll read these all out here. That is uh, Neil. That is, where are all your names here? I have them all written. Neil, Mario, uh, Cami, and Judah. And we can clap them up as they come. Yay, come. Uh, Caleb, Kelly, Elise, Monique. Uh, what's this look like in your life? You can come on up. Uh, everybody just uh, huddle up here. You'll have to be attentive listeners because everyone's going to be looking at you while you're listening to others. So come on up here. Come on. Yep. 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 But be writing your so that. Who are, who are the people God is calling you towards with the good news of the gospel? And so, um, Neil, why don't you start us off? Then we can just, yeah, everybody on up. You can just all come up here and then, yeah, go for it. Thanks, Neil. Yeah. Good morning. Um, a year ago, I started a book club. So uh, my wife and I, we, we are really trying to prioritize um, friendships with our neighbors and trying to create a lot of margin in our lives to be able to spend time um, with these folks. And um, we love them, and we, we really want to be witnesses um, to Jesus in their lives. Um, but I was kind of getting frustrated with just not being able to get below the surface level as far as like sharing my faith with them, particularly with the guys. Um, So I had the idea of starting a book club um, and with kind of that goal in mind of maybe if we read substantive books together that that would drive substantive um, conversations. Um, And it's been great. We've done four books um, or we're on our fourth book right now and the guys just love it like to an, to an extent that really surprised me and I think I think maybe as men we have a hard time kind of opening up to other men and particularly as Christian men maybe we take that for granted when we have that in our threes or or whatever you're involved in here um, but these guys I don't I don't think they have that and so we've sat around the fire and, and they've shared pretty transparently about stuff um, and they seem to really enjoy it um, a highlight for me was uh, we read Bono's memoir of U2 fame, um, and I didn't I didn't really realize this, but apparently he he really loves Jesus, and I didn't exactly know that, but he, he writes about it in his book um, pretty explicitly, um, and he's also an artist, and so he the way he looks at the world is very different than the way I look at the world, and he's a global superstar, so it's super interesting. <laughs> um, so we had a great conversation kind of around the topics of faith and family um, and work as well. And I was able to share on those subjects from my own life um, and witness to them about the role of faith in our family. Um, because it's a book club, they have to listen. It's great. They, they respectfully listened, and, and I shared, and, and I'm trusting God to be using these times uh, moving forward. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Judah. Um, Cammie and I will be representing the Kenya team today. Um, we went uh, not too long ago, and 
Long story short, spoiler alert, it was the greatest time of my life. Um, prior to going on the trip, I'm going to be completely transparent, I was terrified. Um, I was, I mean, I've been overseas before, so at first I was like, why am I so scared? But as, I, as we got closer and closer to leaving the tarmac and landing in, um, in Kenya, I began to realize that I was not scared of the trip itself, I was scared of being changed. And I was also scared of not representing God the right way um, or enough. But as I was there, I was taught that God uses people in so many different ways. So one day, so many people were, we were um, building a house out of sticks and mud. And I had a camera in my hands almost all day that day. Um, and I guess God wasn't calling me to actually build a house. God was calling me to use the camera to represent the work that we're doing for everyone at home. Um, and so that's kind of how God used me. And God basically taught me over the trip that there's nothing to be afraid of when, you're, when God is on your side. He's in your corner, and that's the most powerful you'll ever be. Um, and basically, God used me through the trip to kind of use my talent to show the people in Kenya and the people in America, that it is worth your while to go on trips like that. Um, so yeah, and also, before going, I didn't really have a recollection of how big the Lord's kingdom really is. And just being in Kenya, and even seeing through the plain window, just the vast open plains, it's so humbling, and it's really a blessing to understand how big God's kingdom is, and just seeing all the smiles on everyone's faces in Kenya, they're so overjoyed 24-7, and it's truly a blessing to be able to experience that. So I also went on the Kenya trip this summer, and um, when, like, my mom asked me if I wanted to go, I kind of was like, sure, like, it'll be fun. I was going to see some elephants, and um, I was just really excited excited but um, I definitely found out that there was so much more to the trip than that and I grew so much. Um, one story I really like in particular is we went to this island called Funzi Island and we were called just to love them there like they didn't want us to share the gospel or anything directly but instead just share God's love and that's how we were going to reach them and it was like a long process to um, really opening up but that's all we were called to do that day. And so there were like a hundred kids and me and my mom and other people, we just like had to play with them. It was just so much fun. And we just sang songs and played with balls and it was just so much fun um, just to love them. And so um, back home, I've really been applying that at school and just like loving my friends just the way that I was called to love the people in Kenya. So um, God's call for me to go to a war-torn country defies logic, as there were a lot of risks and warnings about the mission trip to Ukraine. However, this clearly is consistent with how God relates to me, which really negates human reasoning. But from God, who loyally loves me and delights in giving me mercy, it totally makes sense. His love for me <clears throat> and who I am in Christ and not for what I cannot do or can do. 
experiencing this quality of unconditional and limited love allowed me to somehow express this to others. This is not payback, but a grateful response to his love for me. And so during this trip, I felt a sense of relief knowing that the Lord is near. Philippians 4, chapter 5. Even there were a lot of unknowns or during times of potential danger, especially when the chaplains were wearing their bulletproof vests and we waited for their decision to allow us to go to the town 15 kilometers from the front lines. The American-Romanian-Ukrainian mission team was gripped by the calming presence of God. We were able to become a human reflection of his kindness and comfort by being available to the needs of the tired, distressed, and the downtrodden. I saw how important the message of the gospel of Christ, that people go through risks and great lengths to proclaim his love and the gospel. Also, I learned the unity uh, in the midst of diversity. Um, the, the mission team made out of six of us, um, there were two El Salvadorian Americans, two Haitian Americans, and two Filipino Americans. We met and prayed with Ukrainian, Japanese, and Swedish chaplains, as well as other volunteers from different parts of the world who were likewise vessels of comfort to a suffering community. During the first leg of our trip, we were picked up by a Presbyterian pastor in Romania, driven to Ukraine by a Romanian pastor, slept at, a, at two Pentecostal Bible schools and the Baptist church who accommodated over 1,000 refugees over the course of the war, and prayed in at least four different languages at one time during devotionals. We had a Romanian, Ukrainian, English interpreter so that people could hear and understand the gospel message. Before the trip, I was preparing and hoping to do some trauma work in Ukraine. In fact, the well bought breathing straws and we made distress relief cards to bring with us. But God had a different plan for me and I was um, only able to talk to one person about trauma Instead, he had me present the gospel to about 100 people twice, something I have not done in a long time. I'd like to quote Acts 20:24. 20, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus, Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. My prayer is that I will live this consistent, consistently in my life. Hello, my name is Monique Birchie, and I'm going to piggyback on this sermon today, uh, what Paul talked about in Galatians here. It's pretty much my story. So I lived a life in the past of selfishness and rebellion. Uh, I even got expelled from every school that I went to up to like high school. But then I came here <clears throat> to Maryland in 2014 for a fellowship, and I met some girls who were... Um, going to start a Bible study, and I was looking for a way to kind of live out the Christian life according to God's word, and they were doing it, and they were a part of this church. They were in community groups, so I wanted to be like them, so I hung out with them a lot, and I went to community group even before I went to the church, and then eventually I started coming to the church, and my life just changed from there. Um, so this is really my life in Galatians, what Paul talks about. And the Lord changed me, saved me.
from my past sins of selfishness. And on the other side of my card, I wrote selflessness. I'm still selfish in the way that I want to please God and whatever God wants. But it, it looks more selfless now because uh, I just do what he wants me to do. And everything that I do, actually, I want to do it. So <laughs> I want to come and serve at church. I want to give bread or whatever. I want to do that, but it's for the Lord. So I will also quote 1 Corinthians 15.10, where Paul says, now he's been changed, and he says, I work harder than anybody, not I, but by the grace of God, because of what God saved him from. So I'm really thankful, and that's why um, I, I am who I am and why I serve the way that I serve, because Christ saved me, and I just want to give that love back to him. So my name is Elise Portnoff, um, and I'm really kind of sharing about like the ordinary ways of like living out our faith with our families. Um, so for me, I really see Jesus as like a constant comfort and a sustainer in my life. Um, I really related to Matt sharing about being kind of a, you know, striving, and uh, I feel like I've always seen myself as an inherent kind of people pleaser and uh, really wanting to be a perfectionist. Um, and you know, I have to consistently lay that down before God um, and say, resting in the good news that he loved me first um, and that no matter what I do or don't do, um, he will keep loving me and drawing me towards him and towards loving others. So uh, right now I see that most often um, in raising kids and in the daily life of that. Um, I see my own sinful nature very clearly in children. You see that in their anger and their frustration. You can relate to it so much in their stubbornness. I see it in my kids as well in their striving for approval and to try and please others. Um, so my, our goal as parents is really um, to point our kids to Christ so that they would know that they're loved and accepted no matter their faults, um, that they would grow to believe in Christ and accept him as their own personal savior. So we strive to do this um, in the ordinary rhythms of life um, through prayer and conversation and to talking to them about God. Um, as Deuteronomy 6, 7 says, when we sit, when we walk, when we lie down and when we rise. Um, and in our home, that most often happens around the dinner table or in the quiet moments of bedtime. Um, and we're grateful really to do this in community here at the church. I think that's a big thing for us. We've been surrounded over the years by many families who have given us great creative ideas of how to breathe this into our family. Um, and also the family ministry um, that has given us great resources as well. So most recently we've seen that in the back to school devotional that we like just bring out, you know, one thing every once in a while, we're still going through it. <laughs> we bring different things out. And the most recent one we did was about the fruit of the spirit. Um, and that's just really, you know, given us more and more moments to talk to our kids and think about, okay, how are we praying for the fruit of the spirit in their lives and in our own lives? Um, and then how can we be really trying to push our kids to come and know Christ? Hi, I'm Caleb, and this is my wife. Kelly. Um, so our story, um, I guess it's a story of how God, or what God wanted to do in our community, and how our um, step of faith or obedience, how he's honored that and really multiplied that. So when we moved to our community, uh, our neighborhood, about five years ago, uh, we were in a place where we were really convicted God was convicting us that we had um, the Word of God and His Spirit inside us and that that was sufficient to make disciples. Um, and so uh, we found ourselves in a place where we wanted to 
try to start a house church in our neighborhood. Um, and we stepped out one day in faith. Um, I remember that we were on our driveway and we prayed that God would surprise us and um, that he would open doors. And so we started going around to our neighbors and introducing ourselves. And the third or second neighbor, um, they invited us in and we talked and they invited us over for lunch afterwards. So then through that first relationship, we got to know a lot of our other neighbors and we were thinking, all right, let's like start this house church. But God um, did something surprising and amazing. He kept sending a bunch of kids to our house, um, like a bunch of middle schoolers would just come over and we didn't even have our own kids at that time. Um, and so they would raid our fridge, raid our pantry, eat all of our food. And meanwhile, we would be um, reading from the Jesus Storybook Bible to them. And then we decided, let's make this something consistent. So we um, started meeting with them once a week and we ended up calling ourselves the God Squad. And um, we would have dinner, games, we would do a Bible lesson, we would have worship, and that's been going on for five years throughout the pandemic, throughout so many changes. Um, so it's just clearly been God moving. Um, and you know, from week to week, we were not always sure like what God was doing. The kids would be like dozing off or like their comments would be totally off topic. Um, but now looking back, we've seen that God has been transforming them and his word has gone out and accomplished its purpose. And now the kids, they're in high school, they're teaching their younger siblings and our kids um, in God Squad Junior. So um, it's just cool to see how that tiny step of faith that God multiplied it to potentially affect generations. That's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Guys, thank you all for sharing. Um, thank you tons. Um, you know, uh, that's just, that's awesome. I don't know what to say. I don't need to say anything else to capture that. Um, we have some focus areas, right? We've got some focus areas locally and internationally. Uh, here's a few of them. Uh, the three we're focused on here is refugee, vulnerable children, Title I. Uh, that you could, uh, look, this is where we can engage both to demonstrate and declare the gospel, but then invite our neighbors, coworkers, and friends to serve along with us, uh, particularly if they don't know Jesus, uh, so we can uh, share with folks and serve uh, the world well in these three areas. Well, uh, there's three tables out there. We want you to hear all about them, connect with those tables, hear a ton of stories, uh, and find out different ways you can connect into these different ministries. I mean, we've gotten uh, letters from Health and Human Services, or the head of Title I schools, or uh, or principals just saying, man, thank you. So I sat, I sat next to a gal at a soccer game uh, yesterday, and she goes, wait, you guys are the school that's helping Harmony Hills? And we're talking, and like, yeah, we are. Oh, wow, you know? And so, like, just really, really fun. Um, so these are different ways to engage locally. Then internationally, uh, with Kenya, India, Costa Rica are our three main initiatives, so we can be serving uh, in these areas and bringing the gospel overseas. Uh, we've got uh, trips going to all those. You can find out all about that overseas. And then also uh, over, uh, not overseas, right out there uh, to figure out how to get overseas and pray, give, and go. And lastly, where you are right now with your families, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, uh, that they might come to know the Savior who has radically transformed your life. Uh, so what we're going to do uh, is just uh, take communion in a little bit different of a way, a physical way that you might feel the movement of God in your life 
uh, as he moves you towards those who don't yet know him with that purpose. And when you come up then to get communion, you can kind of enter through the middle rows and then come down the middle here. What I want you doing is just reading the front side, the before Christ, or even today as you kind of find yourself living in ways that are not for Christ. That, that before Christ side, read that, contemplate on that. And then when you get communion, uh, just uh, take a second to read the now after Christ and, and leave this sign uh, up here uh, and, and take communion with you uh, back to your seat in a movement to say, man, now that the Lord has transformed me by His grace, I now go out into the world with the good news of the gospel and the Savior who has changed me. So leave your card up front here as you get communion and go back uh, to your seat and sing this last song in worship. And then we will go as God's people together. Uh, So come uh, reading the before sign as you come up, uh, then dropping uh, the after sign here, grabbing your communion and worshiping our God uh, together. Uh, Let's come before our God in worship.